Close Encounters. Something strange. It's time for the news. Delete, 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 delete. Welcome back to Close Encounters of the Slurred Kind. My name is Joba Jeepers Creepers Fett, and with me as always... I'm reviled Ripley Scott. In preparation for a particularly chilling Halloween, we're bringing you the first of three parts of our long Halloween special. In this spooktacular episode, we're going to dive into the perpetually paranormal, pontificating purposefully on the prancing, posing, and perhaps probing of the unexplained. So sit back, grab your proton packs, and get ready for a frightfully amazing episode of Close Encounters of the Slurred Kind. All right. My God, I love this season. Halloween is the best season. I don't know about you, Ripley, but Halloween for me is kind of like my Christmas. It's a time where I can just celebrate it Thursday, Friday, and Saturday with copious amounts of alcohol and candy, and I can be anyone i want other than myself it's amazing all right i guess we'll just go right into our articles here and our first article uh is coming to you from the not you know the not so credible but the most spectacular source that you could possibly imagine the new york post we all love the new york post and this is basically a haunted mansion in australia is on the market for only one million dollars i like that saying it's only one million dollars well, it is twenty eight thousand square feet, so that is yeah, that's insane. A, that is a very significant amount of square footage, I will say. Uh, this was the cool. Biggest you house know, I've ever been in, just for reference, is about nine thousand square feet. So this is three times that. It, I mean, it is huge. And also, for any of those uh, people out there listening, uh, I am in the Nashville area, and and do you have any idea, Ripley, what my square footage is of my apartment? Um. 900 wow go down 500 square feet and then add 50 (laughs) so you're you're about half of that then i literally live in a broom closet slash it's basically a broom closet i live in a broom closet i i literally sleep in a twin bed every night uh and it is it's rough but you know what it's under a grand for rent and to live in the mecca that is nashville it's kind of nice so Anyways, I digress. It's just a little bit of a background on yo pal Joba. So basically, it's, uh, this article says that this house is the stuff of nightmares, and it could be yours for $1 million. I got this article because I thought it was going to be a really cool, awesome backdrop story, like this crazy background history of some nuts you know, murder or you know, some crazy poltergeist haunting the grounds or something. No, it's just people that fucking used to pack too many Halloween decorations and they decided to just tout it as a haunted house to purchase. So there's really nothing haunted about it at all. It's just a bunch of Halloween fans basically packed rooms upon rooms upon rooms with terrifying mannequins and fake creepy crawlies. And the realtor just decided to keep them because he's just trying to sell the property. He thought it'd be a good gimmick. So I guess I can't fault him of that, but my favorite line in this article is that the family of six uh, described the fun and good times as Miss Bates in the Hitchcock movie Psycho. So they were trying to make the they're trying to make the house look like the house on the hill. I'm assuming that means house on Haunted Hill or the House on the Hill movies. The, the, weren't those movies Haunted Hill? 
before the Netflix know, before the Netflix show came out, there was a movie called like House on Haunted Hill, I think, and I think it was shitty <laughs> from what I remember. That yeah, was pretty cool. I mean, if, if you look at the, did you look at the picture of it? Did you pull it up? Oh, House on the Hill was an American horror movie in 2012. Yes, it was the shitty one that I'm recalling. Yeah, it was real bad. I mean, it's 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 bad enough to be appreciated now. So, I mean, it's Halloween. You just if you're, if you're like me, you're just trying to fill your noggin with as many fucked up, crazy, scary, wacko, jacko things as possible. So, you know what? Go for it. You know, just pretend pretend it's like a piece of candy. You're gonna eat seven more anyways. So. Ooh, piece of candy. Mmm. But yeah, so. Uh, the realtor basically says uh, they've never seen a house this fascinating in 40 years, and um, just the owner's past uh, favorite pastime was crafting Halloween items. I mean, this would be a really cool place to go visit, even if you were going to be like – if you weren't looking for a house on the market, I feel like it would be a really cool thing to jump in and be like, oh, cool little vacation. I bet that realtor's annoyed as fuck about all the people coming in and being like, we just wanted to take a peek. You know? we, just, we just wanted to take a little look-see. I bet he wasn't there. They're not too happy about that. So anyways, sorry for my lackluster article. Thought it was going to be packed with more zest and, uh, you know, blood splatters. But, you know, that, that's mine. So we'll move on to yours, Ripley. Yeah, it. I was also hoping for a little bit more. But, you know, after uh, doing this for now, 11 episodes with you, I've come to terms with it. So, yeah, yeah, it happens. <laughs> All right. Next up, we are uh, staying in the. Uh, area where people have a little bit weird accents and we're actually going to um to the uk where uh people in cornwall yes the cornish where they have the those cornish. Ends, the cornish are uh they've apparently filmed allegedly a half man half owl this uh <laughs> mythical creature goes by the moniker of the owl man of monin smith and this has uh, been a subject of local folklore going back to the 1920s. Now, it shows a couple very, very blurry images of this so-called sighting. And you know what it really looks like to me? Somebody's wearing a Loki costume, like with the big it headdress. Does. Like the with horn the horns. Headdress. With the horns. Oh, yeah. my God. He does look like Loki. Shit. I mean, I did Maybe watch the, lo- the video. scared me a little bit. I did look at the corner. I was like, ooh, it's kind of creepy, but it's definitely not what they think it is. But it, you know, the the ominous shadow in the background always scares me, you know, so. Right. And, uh, I mean, a little bit boxier build than, you know, somebody or yeah. than Loki's life body. But uh, that's kind of what it looks like is somebody's just wearing like Loki's headdress to me. So I'm not necessarily convinced. But anyways, um, you know, he doesn't look anything like an owl, though. Did you did you see do you owl features are are not there, in my opinion? I'm seeing horns and creepy guy and cloak. That's what I'm seeing. Right. I'm not seeing much. Whoo, whoo. Exactly. You're seeing like normal appendages. You know, yeah, it's I agree. It the, the and owls don't have horns. So is this whole thing is kind of weird anyways. But this all goes back to, you know, like I said, the 1920s, where apparently um, two young girls, two teenagers, saw a terrifying birdman with fe- uh, wings and feathers on top of a church tower. And then um, in July of the same year, two f- other 14-year-old girls went camping in the area and spotted a giant owl of human size with glowing eyes. So it's kind of been a local legend ever since then. Um, and people, <laughs> I like how they went to the local pub to ask people about it. And, I saw uh, that too. Yeah, that, that was like, first first place to go. Man, where should we go? The authorities? 
No, fuck that. Let's go to the pub. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they know where the shit's going on. So That's uh, right. And everybody's like, well, yeah, we've heard of it, but we don't really know anything about it. And somebody said that they haven't heard it mentioned for years and years since it first actually happened. And um, anyway, so could be somebody just, you know, fucking around with people. Could be something yeah, actually yeah. true. My guess is the former rather than the latter. But nonetheless, um, the person did say that he uh, would not recommend going into this area alone. He said, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's definitely a crazy story. I'll say that, you know, just seeing half man, half owl things anywhere. There's there's one lesson to be learned here, in my opinion. It's why the fuck? Why would I mean? This is just me. Why would you even go camping? One, you have you have to you have to sleep on the ground. <laughs> you, you Bigfoot could step on you. You see, there's all kinds of scary shit in nature. There's bugs. Who likes bugs? I don't know. Maybe that's just the the city guy in me coming out. But I don't like to fuck with nature if I don't have to. I'll be that guy who what do you call it? Glamping? Is that what they call it? Where they go out with like yeah an rv and you know i'll go out there if i have a place to plug my phone in and like something to keep bugs out and i don't mean like a ham i don't mean a hammock with a little mesh thing i'm talking like i need at least 10 like not 10 the number 10 but like 10 the tin foil i need something around me that's gonna keep preferably very sturdy plastic or uh, sheet metal things out you know that's uh, basically how i roll so give me an rv fuck the sleeping bags and before we move on, um, uh, we'll close with the last lines of this article. This guy is being quoted as saying, uh, that's telling me there's a demonic energy and it wasn't safe. My mate got attacked. He had scratches on his arm. His camera broke, too. He didn't see anything. He just felt this surge of energy. He didn't realize it till about half an hour later when he felt something burning. <laughs> it's like, yeah. what? What the hell does that even mean? What is demonic energy? Like, does it come yeah, through you and you just want to go through a rage? Do you feel that often? How do you identify that? They'd, oh, oh no, this rage. No, no, no. This isn't regular rage. This is demonic rage. Like, how do you differentiate between the two? It's uh, is like is demonic energy what happens in the Kingsman when you know that frequency goes off with the cell phones? Oh and they yeah. Go into that murderous rage is that kind of what that is? That yeah, would be. I, I, I don't really know, but yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Apparently, he got scratches on his arm from it, and his camera broke. So that that's all a bunch of interesting stuff there. I think sure. demonic rage, demonic rage is the rage that Star Wars fans feel, knowing that Ryan Johnson might be making a, uh, a secondary uh, pre uh, sequel trilogy. I think that's kind of the same rage. So anyway, <laughs> we will move on. And the next article we have is actually kind of a bonus article of sorts. It's a continuation. It's, it's something to kind of keep. Keep within the sci-fi theme, kind of in the sci-fi realm. We are on a, uh, you know, a haunted roller coaster ride here, which my God, I couldn't be happier for. I wish this, I wish we could do every episode Halloween-based. We should just fuck it. Let's just make it a hot Halloween. You know what? From now on, whatever, whatever. Screw it. It's now, now it's, we're, we're not sci-fi anymore. Sorry, guys. We're ha- we're a Halloween podcast all year round. Hey, hey, hey Joba, before we get into that, I believe we do have a word from our sponsors. Oh, yeah. I forgot we outsourced uh, one of our sponsors this week. I found I found this guy. He uh, he was he he was a little creepy looking. I'm not going to lie. He's a little creepy looking. You know, he came to me in a vision. It was real weird. He's like, he's like, OK, I know I'm about. I, listen, I'm going to introduce you. Will you shut the fuck up. I'm. 
Hey, hey there, ladies and germs. <laughs> Are you sick of your man, woman, or freeloading cousin hogging the entire house? <laughs> well, don't sweat it, because Scarab Scum is here to help. You may know my infamous cousin Beetlejuice, <laughs> but what you don't know is that I taught him everything he knows about swindling. I, I mean, selling premium services. Uh, when it comes to bioexorcism, I'm your ghoulie. With the snap of a finger, I can make all your excessive human worries melt away. Kind of like that Nazi's face in the first Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> all you have to do is say my name two and a half times, and voila, the living becomes the lost. Whole house to yourself. Just imagine all the things you could do with all that space. Candlelit Ouija board dinners, Netflix and kill, Bloody Marys with real blood and zero Marys. <laughs> I mean, hell, you could even... Uh, scarab scum, scarab scum, scarab. Ugh. Jeez, glad that guy's gone. We should probably look uh, for more reputable sponsors next time. Yeah, you may want to do a little bit more vetting next time. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna remember to do that. So, anyways, we'll go into the next article here. So, all right. So this one kind of comes across as more of a uh, it, it's a break. It's not a breakaway from the Halloween, but it's uh like like I said prior, it's it's more of a sci-fi take on things. So. We're going to get back to the sci-fi for just a moment before we get back to the scary. So uh, this article is coming to you from NPR, and basically uh, there was a mysterious cattle mutilation in Oregon on October 8th. So if, if those of you who are watching, I'm sure you're very familiar with uh, cattle mutilations. If you are into you know science fiction, you're probably also into conspiracy theories, and you're probably also into – ufology and if you're into ufology then you know that cattle mutilations date back long 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 time and they're very very prevalent in the world of ufos uh and this is cool because this is uh, one that has recently happened and it's another one of those mind-boggling cases where they have no idea no evidence of what could have happened or why it happened but basically in the early morning uh there was uh a there was, let me see, was a ranch, a ranch hand, and a forest service ranger, I think. Or no, it was a marshal. It was a marshal. They came across. No, came it was, the guy's last name is Marshall. Is the ranch's vice president? Well, shit! Don't you hate it when articles mislead you like that, motherfucker? <laughs> or maybe the person reading the article should be a little bit more attentive. But you know, whatever. So basically, they came upon the dead bull in a very eerie scene. Uh, it was look like basically the article describes it as what. It looked like a giant deflated plush toy that smelled. It smelled weirdly, and there were no signs of buzzards, coyotes, or other scavengers in the area. Uh, the coat was uh, the red coat was shiny, as if it was going to the fair, but it was completely bloodless, uh, and the tongue and genitals had been surgically cut out. And the animals were worth around six thousand dollars each. I'd be pretty fucking angry if someone, uh, you know, drained all the blood out of something that, you know, drained a valuable resource out of my valuable resource that was worth like six thousand. That's that's a lot of money to lose. Not to mention it also takes away their ability to reproduce, which is really where you get all the money from all these uh, breeding bulls because they can be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars in future calves. Exactly. Ain't no fucking like cow fucking, man. We've all been there. We've all been there. That's, that was that was a little too far. Um, <laughs> but a lot of people, uh, I like the one of the big the big points of the article. One of the telling points is theories abound. So uh, a lot of people point the point towards the aliens and call out the extraterrestrial cause, which could be a thing. And that's a that like I said earlier, that's something that dates back for years and years and years and years. Basically, if you're not familiar with ufology, people will think that the aliens come down tag people as well as calves but for some or you know cows and other small animals and things like that 
but they, you know, for some reason they've never left people laying out there with uh, no blood in them. So I guess maybe they just do it to cows. I don't know. Maybe uh, we look really scary with no blood in our bodies. I'm not quite sure why they only do it to animals, but uh, it is a very mysterious thing that they don't really have a scientific explanation for, which puts it on the fringe of like what the fuck's going on. So, anyways, we'll we'll keep going down because I know this isn't the uh, meat and potatoes of our of our episode today, but basically there wasn't a drop of blood anywhere. And, uh, it was and this a very, is the, at least the third, uh, no noted attempt or noted happening of this happening in this general area. This is all happening in Eastern Oregon and, um, going back even to, I think to the late eighties is when it said the first noted attempt was, or sighting of the, something like this happening. So it's not the first time. And, you know, that, like I said, um, there wasn't any foot uh, any tracks, footprints, anything around. Which this is a dusty climate where, you know, tracks are pretty easy to find, and they just couldn't find anything. So bizarre. I mean, I'll be honest. If I was a rancher and I woke up and I went out to check on my cattle and I saw something like this, I'd be pretty fucking freaked out. I mean, I would be angry that I lost all that money, but at the same time, I'd be a little, little, little scared. I'd be a little scared. So anyways, enough of that. You may think what you will may ponder on it. You know, send us any uh, send us your thoughts to our Facebook or Instagram and let us know what you think about uh, what happened down there in Oregon. So anyways, we'll move on and we are going to go into the local lore segment. And this is a really cool segment. This is basically where we're going to talk about legends and infamous haunting paranormal activity things that have happened in our areas uh relative to us so i'm in the nashville region and ripley is in well originally from actually the idaho area so he's going to do his own in just a moment and we're going to go through and kind of look at some of the crazy things that i found for the nashville area and the most prolific one that i saw was the Historic Bell Witch. Did you get to read any of this, uh, Ripley? It's really interesting. Yeah, I read a little bit of it, and I definitely agree. It is kind of kooky. Very, very Creeping kooky. Creeping kooky? A little, a little bit of both. It's a little kooky. I mean, I think everything paranormal is a little kooky in a way, but uh, – so it's really cool. It's a, it's an original, you know, it's an act, it's an American haunting and I'll just go. So I, I pulled up the bellwitchcave.com, the essential, like where you can find everything about it, because this is probably the best source of information regarding this particular legend or origin story. So we're just going to go off this. It gives you information on the legend, the cave. It shows photos of the cave of the bellwitch cabin, then of an activity that they celebrate each year called the bell witch fest which kind of goes and shows all the different you know just ways for people to celebrate the the lore and the stuff like that and basically it's it's probably the the place you need to go if you want to look at things up in, in regard to it but so you're familiar with the legend uh we will get into that so let me pull up the legend here and we'll just go into it so Basically, uh, John Bell was a farmer from North Carolina with a wife and children, and they settled in the northern Robertson County of T- in Tennessee in 1804. And their farm consisted of 320 acres of rich farmland that laid among the Red River. Uh, they do farm stuff. You know, they lived there for a long time, about 13 years, and they were members of a Baptist church. The John became a deacon. The family grew and became pretty prosperous in the uh, in the community. 
Uh, and then something happened in 1817 that would basically change their lives forever. They heard a knocking sounds on the door and on the outer walls of the house. And they they started hearing a rat gnawing on the bedpost, chains being dragged through the house, stones being dropped on the wooden floors, then gulping and choking sounds. Basically shit you didn't want to hear in 1817 or, 1817 or 2019. You just don't ever hear that shit. The family was terrified and kept to themselves about the problem for quite a while, and things became pretty much intolerable. Then John confided in a neighbor, and then he invited said neighbors to spend the night. And after several nights of seeing these strange, crazy, shitty, horrible things happen, they suggested they should tell more people, and a committee was formed. Basically, this is a kind – in my opinion, this is kind of how – things like this start you think something's happening you get someone else involved that person starts freaking out also and then it's kind of this is kind of the essence of an urban legend you know that's how things escalate so not saying it's not real yeah i've never been there i'd love to visit this place and see but i'm not completely sold but it wasn't before long people were coming for miles and miles to witness the unseen force that was terrorizing the Bell home. Uh, before long, the unforeseen force had gained enough strength that it now had a voice, and supposedly its name was Kate, and was basically called itself the Bell Witch. And it's uh, basically the, the legend says that Kate had two reasons for visiting the Bell home. The main reason was to kill John Bell. Uh, for what reason, nobody knows, because Kate never gave a reason why, and the second reason was to stop John's youngest daughter, Betsy, from marrying a certain neighbor boy named Joshua Gardner. Basically, Kate, or, you know, the Bell Witch, basically tormented members of the Bell family on a daily basis, and this lasted for a prolonged period of time, um, and, you know... Uh, Kate finally accomplished her mission for coming to the Bell Farm on December 20th in 1820. John Bell died. It was believed he was poisoned by Kate, and Kate took full credit of the death. And then in March 1821, young Betsy broke off her engagement with Joshua Gardner. Kate then bid everyone a farewell and promised to return in seven years. She did return for a short few weeks. During the visit, she she came to the home of John Bell Jr. and had long talks with him about the past, the present, and the future. She made some predictions for the future. Um, just crazy stuff. This, this whole legend is pretty bonkers. There's been lots of books written about the famous Bell Witch of Tennessee. The legend of the Bell Witch is part of Tennessee's history and is still taught in schools today, and you can go visit it. All you have to do is go to bellwitchcave.com, find this exact same article I'm reading from, and do your uh, due diligence and get yourself a ticket. So, how do you feel about that, Ripley? I mean, it's... You know, it, it started in the eighteen seven or eighteen tens, so it's yeah. definitely old. Um, you know, people probably not um, as educated back then. Not to say that the, these fine folks weren't, but you know, there's a lot that's going on there, and it's it's kind of hard to really substantiate. You know, really Ugh, any did- of this. I didn't I didn't read the ooey gooey details, but while the torturing and tormenting was going on, uh, John Bell uh, had been suffering from spells of swelling of the throat and felt like someone was uh, being he was being stuck by something sideways in his throat. And then he twitched and jerked violently in his facial muscles. I didn't read that. Holy shit. And the (laughs) Kate would blast him with curses and hideous threats during the spells. That's fucking crazy. Sorry, just I'm reading deeper and deeper into this thing going, woo, so some scary shit going on. I kind of want to visit this cabin. Yeah, you might as well if you're close. 
hit it up. Yeah. Yeah. Hit Halloween yeah. date night. Hey. Oh gosh. All right. Well, uh, I think we've pretty much. I mean, well, I mean, let me look into one more thing. I'll just look at the cave here before we move on. I spoke about the legend. Let's see. The cave is pretty creepy. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a place I would not go by myself. I'm looking at the pictures right now. It's uh, it's not a happy place. Hmm. So, anyways. All right, Bell Witch, I'm coming for you. Joba Fett is coming your way. I kind of had a personal question that I wanted to ask you. Sure. What's going on? Well, I've been having these dreams lately, almost like a wet dream, but not so much the I just saw Jennifer Tilly's boobs for the first time kind of wet dream. More like Casper just put on his gimp suit and went to uh, a little bit too friendly ghost for my taste, and I'm not quite sure what to do. I don't think that's a dream, Joba. This has become a widespread issue. Ghost raping, or gaping, has become a new epidemic that's spread across the world. Luckily for you, ZFG Corporation has come up with a solution to this gaping. It's called (laughs) NoGomo, shortened from their no-ghost molestation program. NoGomo uses patent-pedant technology involving ectoplasm, devil's eyebrow, and confiscated ghost cum to ward off even the most rapey of spirits, including your Uncle Jimbo's ghost. So if you feel like your bed is no longer a safe zone from people and spirits alike, head down to your nearest store and get NoGomo. Oh my god, that's right. You better head down and get it today. Hashtag uh, NoGomo. Hashtag NoGomo. Wow. Thank you very much for that uh, reading of the sponsor there, Ripley. Very, very well. So that being said, we'll go on to your local lore and hear a little bit about uh, this really interesting article that you have. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, I'm from the Idaho region, <clears throat> or state, as most people like to call it. You got to uh, say it for like an accent, Idaho. He's from the Idaho region. The Idaho, do they speak like that in Idaho? Am I, am no, I that, wrong? that's like Minnesota. Fuck. Minnesota. Okay, Minnesota, Anyways, Idaho. <laughs> it's all there in the north, right? All right, exactly. so uh, anyways, um, it always it always kind of been a local legend, especially recently um, with the use of CCTVs and everything that uh, one of the local high schools was uh, haunted. This is the oldest high school in the town. The one that did you, know, you most... did you go to did you go to this high school? No, I didn't. I went to the better uh. high school. <laughs> OK, so um, it like this kind of started gaining steam after they there's a video of, you know, one of the uh, security cameras basically like a light flickered and then there you saw this kind of like black translucent um you know image going across the screen and so everybody was freaking out and it caught the attention of the ghost hunter show which was actually revamping at that time or rebooting and so because of that perfect timing perfect timing exactly and so they actually used this high school as their first episode of the reboot. So season one, episode one is actually about um, the show. And so on uh, one of the um, analysts for ghost hunters, side analyst um, actually writes an article for distractify about each of the episodes. And so he, he kind of went into this, um, what they saw there, like what you saw on TV, what you didn't see and like kind of what his own personal opinion is not necessarily you know, just what the show or A and E thinks. So as I it was really like, interesting. It was really yeah. interesting. I I watched that whole video. It was very cool. 
so you know like i said the original video um was what kind of got their um them looking into it and they almost immediately dismissed it they realized that you know it was just kind of faulty wiring and that there was a cobweb on the camera so there's really nothing there but they while they were going through you know they still did their due diligence and um there's a couple other various stories about like people dying and haunting and they did some fact checking and nobody had ever been reported dead um at the high school or dying at the high school and um like, so it all sounds the, like not like it's all going to shit and they're like oh this is going to be kind of a bummer but then something really cool happens which you're going to talk about i'm sure right so they're um so um they're going through and they're doing these things uh they're different tests and stuff and they uh two different people reported the same like kind of um interaction or feeling or you know happening where they basically felt like they were getting hugged at this certain spot in the gymnasium and so um like same exact experience same spot it was very weird for both of them and they had very un- very un- very uncanny very uncanny right. situation right and so they said they had this electric tingling shoot up from their legs and into their backs and felt like they were being hugged by somebody that was just really excited to see them and um so they also went through and like did the various you know electro magnetic um testing and um they had issues with audio recorders and flashlights going out on them at certain points um which is you know one of those weird things and kind of the things that nightmares are made of right like you yeah no one wants your flashlight goes out that's the worst Every time you watch a horror movie and a flashlight goes out, you know it's time to pull that sheet right up over your head. You know it's time because some shit's about to happen. Right. So they said that, uh, but like the things would turn back on. But you know, I don't know about you, but I've never had a flashlight short out on me or like no, an audio neither. record or anything. Like so, very weird. They said so. He said something or someone was drawing energy from the devices, and what they also didn't show was that there was a light fixture that just started swinging for no reason. They weren't able to get it on the show. Yeah, they tried, they, to, get yeah they tried to get it on camera, but they couldn't get it. They couldn't get a good shot. Right, and so they tried to recreate the swing or figure out how it happened. They just couldn't figure it out, basically. And so what they did end up kind of concluding, or at least theorizing, is that um, the whole hugging sensation, the electron, or the, the sh- bolt of electricity going up their spine... Um, they attribute it to a high school student that actually went to Pokey and loved high school, but ended up um, going to the state university also in the same town and ended up taking his life later. And they think that his spirit is basically kind of residing in Pokey high because that's where, uh, you know, that, that was the place that he loved so much. And he was always a happy go lucky student and hence the hugging and he's, I guess he's a very tall person and would love to hug people and just kind of drape his head on people. And that was kind of what they felt. And so that's kind of what they came away with thinking is that, yeah, um, there's definitely something going on there and it may be him, but like, even though the original claims were kind of bogus, they, he did um, believe that ultimately the school was haunted, but not necessarily in a negative way, almost like a Casper type way. Which is great. You know, I, that, that, that was the coolest part of the article. I was going through it at the beginning. I was like, oh, OK, so nothing's going on here. And then they kept going on and they talked a little bit more about, you know, the more the gymnasium stuff happening, the swinging of that thing and all the stuff they couldn't explain. 
And I like the thought of a friendly ghost haunting. You know what? I was one of the rare few who had great experiences in high school. I loved my high school days. Uh, I'm not close with anyone from high school. There's one person I'm still close with in high school or from my high school days that I still keep keep in touch with. But back then, man, and all my memories are all golden. I had really no bad memories. So I would be that same guy. If I died, if I was going to haunt a place, it'd probably be – I wouldn't write off the fact that you know high school high school is a great spot. I'd go and I'd say hi to people if I could. you know. So it's kind of cool. It was really cool to see an article that was happy, a happy ending per se. So, But I will say the one disappointing thing about your article, Ripley, you know what it is? I do not. Uh, the fact that I Googled the, uh, you know, well, I didn't Google it, but I looked into their mascot here at Pokey High, and it wasn't Gumby. No, it's it's not Gumby. It is the Indians. <laughs> God, bummer. I mean, Jesus Christ, you're going to name your fucking high school Pokey High, and you're not going to have Pokey and Gumby, like, riding off into the sunset? What kind of fucking high school are you running here? I'm pretty sure the high school was formed in like the early 1900s, so probably predates Gumby by a little bit. Yeah, well. Mm. Guess Whatever. they should have gotten Whatever. the times. They should have, man. They should have gotten – they should have fallen deeply into the antimatter minute dimension just like all of you have. Anywho, it's a great article. This local lore stuff's great. Go visit the Bell Witch uh, if you're in Idaho. Go check out Pokey High. Uh, don't bring your Gumby paraphernalia because they'll uh, dismiss it and be very confused, apparently. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that that brings us to the the forefront of the episode. The uh, the crux is that the right thing to say? The crux is that a the correct the crux word? of the matter? Um, the Crux of the matter, I like to think it is. We'll allow it. We'll allow it for today. So, yeah, so the cool part of today, uh, today's episode, is we're, we're going to focus on some campfire stories. We're each going to tell some terrifying accounts of paranormal encounters in the wilderness that'll make you never want to go camping again. Not, for, not, not only for the reasons that I mentioned prefaced earlier, that you'd have to deal with nature, bugs, being uncomfortable um those three things repeated so basically we're just we're gonna talk we're gonna give each other some scary stories i'm gonna try to scare the shit out of ripley and ripley's gonna try to scare the shit out of me and you guys can just listen and laugh and on that note here comes the boom campfire track uh so here we go so the first story are you ready for it ripley I certainly hope so. All right. Well, the first one is called A Perfect Circle, and I will be your narrator for tonight's craziness. So, my pops and I are avid campers, not professionals anymore, but my dad used to be a wilderness guide for kids. We typically prefer the eastern-western Sierras as they have great car camping spots next to lakes and a lot of great trails. Last summer, we decided to go up for a two-night stay and do some hiking. The campground was pretty dull, or not dull, sorry, pretty full, not unusual for the summer. But we were lucky enough, at the time at least, to find a pretty secluded site, and we uh, set up our tents. First night was normal, little bear activity, but we're used to that. Second night, I crawl into my backpacking tent, head and toes hit both ends very small, and I pass out cold. 
until about 3 a.m. when I wake up to the sound of footsteps. My dad is a diabetic and needs to get up to pee around three to four times a night, and the sounds are definitely footprints, and they're coming from the wrong direction. We were located next to the bathrooms, so the footsteps should be moving in the direction that they're coming closer to my tent. They stop about a yard short, and the breathing gets really heavy. I first brush it off as my dad, maybe lost without a flashlight. Then the breathing goes away, and I fall back asleep, only to be awoken a few minutes later to breathing right above the tent. You know that rush of terror up your spine? I had that. This wasn't my dad. I laid perfectly still, but the footprints continued to circle the tent. I had the rain fly on, so I couldn't see through the roof, and it was a new moon and pitch black. Now I convinced myself, a heavy sleeper, that I'm dreaming. Just as the thought runs through my head, I feel a single finger run the length of my foot through the tent, real slow and methodical. Now I figure I have to be dreaming because my foot is in my sleeping bag, and I, I in my sleeping bag, and I couldn't possibly feel that. But that comfort disappeared quickly when I realized, using the small ambient light available, that my foot was bare and out of the bag. I laid frozen as, whatever it was, stroked my foot for a minute or two, gave me a few more labored breaths, and then just stood above my tent for what felt like an eternity before disappearing. I stayed up all night. In the morning, I heard my dad get out of his tent. I bolted up and met him by the fire. He looked me in the eye, and I asked if he'd gotten up the night before. I asked him the same, and he said he had around 2 a.m. because he thought someone was going through our stuff. As I told him my story, we noticed our gear had been rearranged on the table. Every item, nothing taken, footprints in a perfect circle around my tent. We still can't even talk about it today. That is that is definitely chilling. Yeah. That would yeah. freak me the fuck out for sure. <laughs> yeah, I would uh, not be a fan. Uh, again, this, these are going to – I'm probably never even going to go in the woods. If I even, I'm not even going to go under trees anymore listening to this stuff. I'm just going <laughs> to fucking avoid trees from now on. So right. anyways, I'm ready for yours. Number, all right, number two, the stick men. Six-hour walk through thick brush to the nearest passable road, age 14, maybe 15, Hiking and camping with two fellow Boy Scouts and an adult. We made camp for the night, had a cold dinner because it was too wet to scavenge firewood, and all turned in early. Even in the woods, there are noises. Frogs, owls, small game, and every sort of bug. My tent mate and I awoke at the same time, maybe 3 a.m., to hear nothing outside. Absolutely ear-straining silence, like a woolen blanket wrapped around the head. After a few minutes, the bugs started chirping again, and we went back to sleep. When we woke up in the morning, we found the f- that five of the pine trees surrounding our little clearing had been connected in a star shape with scraped lines, and pinned to each one was Stickman, like the ones from the Blair Witch. The leader from- and his son, occupants of the other tent, accused us of fucking with them, but we both know it wasn't us. That's a story no- nobody believes. I mean, who would believe the alibis of two kids? I'll never camp with the safety of without the safety of a large group and nearby civilization ever again. Yeah, see, if that if that shit were to happen to me, I'd be like, mm, nope, 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 nope. Matchsticks, popsicle sticks, get whatever, put your sticks up your ass. I don't want your sticks. <laughs> uh, no sticks fucking, for me. Yeah, no, no sticks. I don't want no sticks. Uh, get the fucking sticks out to my face. That's uh, some scary shit. And that takes us to the third story. The land remembers. So, 
One night I was camping near where an old river dam had been. I pulled the canoe in late, so I just draped the tarp over the canoe and crawled in underneath it and fell asleep. In the middle of the night, I awoke to the sound of roaring water. I crawled up from under the tarp, and the sound stopped. I thought I must have been imagining it, or it was the wind to the trees or something. I crawled back under the tarp, and the sound started again. This time when I crawled out, it didn't stop. The sound got louder and louder. I realized that it sounded like water ripping through the woods. Even the dogs had their hair on end. I quickly pulled the tarp off the canoe and dragged it up the top of a ridge and waited to see what was making the noise. Then I heard the voices, men yelling, and a dull thumping noise. I huddled down the next boat, pulled the dogs close, and waited for the sun to come up to find out what was happening. Morning came, and there was nothing to see. To this day, I don't know what what it was, but I have my ideas. I will not camp there ever again. I was told that the land remembers, and that's fine. I just don't need to be there when it's remembering. Mm. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. All right. This next one, uh, just by the name, sounds very interesting. It's called mm. The Skin Changer. God, Ugh. just put some serious lotion on the skin type vibes from that title. Wildland firefighter with the Forest Service. Not my story, but from an old supervisor of mine that I believe completely. Setting is 2004 or so. Hell's Canyon area of middle Idaho. Jesus Christ, here we go again. Idaho! We're in Idaho! By the way, Hell's Canyon isn't in middle Idaho. Maybe, like, if you're going north and south, maybe, but not east and west. Anyways... His crew had been working all day on an emerging incident, and we were going to be working through the night as well. Being the assistant superintendent of the crew, second in charge effectively, he was out ahead scouting on an ATV or some such. He was working his way down a logging road that clearly had not been used in some time when a bobcat or lynx, it's been a few years since I'd heard it, uh, appears in the middle of the road but doesn't run away as they usually would. The thing stands there for a good 10 seconds, screams at him, and scampers up a tree not five feet off the road he finds the saw but not particularly unsettling just a half mile or so down the road he finds a small cabin also odd as this is federal land and no private structure should be there upon investigation all the windows have been boarded shut tight and someone had done a good job of doing so the door now had been punched out and secured with to a hole drilled into the log frame by a chain someone did not want anything getting in or out Peering through the hole of the door, he can see that everything in the house is upset. This has him kind of upsettled, so he hops on his ATV and heads back up the road. Well, here's what gets real interesting. Right where the bobcat had been, there stands a Native American woman in a badly tattered nightgown and bare feet, just standing there. Oh, no, there. no, 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 no! Sorry. <laughs> he yells at her, asking her if she needs help. She just screamed at him, the same scream as the cat from before, and climbs right up the tree, faster than any human has a right to be climbing. Obviously, he knows that, or he, it says he nopes out of there as fast as he can, I assume he goes out of there as fast as he can. Unsure of who or what he just saw, he asked a local guy about the cabin. Asking After asking around for a little, a local Native American hears them talking and informs them that they saw uh, Pumawa. Uh, which um, is, a f- in effect, a skin changer, a warg. Now, I would not believe most people that they tried to tell me that, but this was a serious man that did not mess around about many things. He was dead serious the two times I heard him tell it, and I 100% believe what he saw. Wow, that's uh, 
Oh, man. That's why two things. You don't build houses on uh, Native American burial grounds. And two, you don't you don't fucking follow lynxes to random ass scary enclosure where there's going to be an Indian woman in front of you saying weird things you don't understand. I think it's uh, basically what we can take away from that story. <sighs> Chills. So the next one is the missing hiker. So here we go. Park ranger here. Another ranger and I were out on a search and rescue call once. The missing person was a man in his 20s. He'd gone hiking and not returned the day that he would, that he intended to. Then we got the call. It was nighttime, but we hiked in a few miles and set up camp on a ridge that had a pretty good view. We'd gone into the woods prepared, so we decided to wait until daylight before beginning the search. About 2 a.m., I get up, and I'm taking a piss when I see a moving light at the base of the cliffs across the valley a few miles away. Looks like a flashlight beam. I tell the other ranger, and we make the decision to keep waiting for daylight. The next morning, we decide to go check out the area and bring this guy home. We get to approximately where I saw the light the night before and start calling his name. Soon we find his body at the base of the cliff. He had fallen 60 feet on his head. The body was badly mangled. We radio back that it has now become a recovery instead of a rescue. At this point... The other ranger yells to me to come look at this. Lying 20 feet from the man's body was his mag light. It seemed odd, but I thought nothing of it until the other ranger reminded me of the light the night before. It kind of gave me the creeps, but I still dismissed it. Before too long, the coroner arrived and, and inspected the body. After he took the body back to the lab, he said that the man had been dead for at least 48 hours before we found the body. All of a sudden, the oh shit alarm went off in my brain. I knew that it couldn't be possible. I had the coroner review his work. Same result. I tried to find an explanation for the light. I, I had seen perhaps other hikers, but one search and rescue guy had stayed at the only trailhead in the area all night, and no one had come or gone. To this day, I have no clue what I saw that night. It freaked me out pretty badly, though. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, I could... Maybe it's one of those ones with the little rubber buttons, and maybe an animal somehow turned it on. I don't know, but definitely creepy. Maybe time travel's involved. I think that's just my sci-fi brain going off, going, hmm, maybe they circled back, came back. I don't know. So, <laughs> I just picture, picture the TARDIS coming in and out now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, okay. Oops, wrong place, wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> my bad, my bad. Nothing to see here. All right. Number six, laughter in the night. Now, creepy laughter in the night, I'm out. Fucking yeah. just take me out. I'm yeah. Done. I'm already done with this title. I'm like, oh, <laughs> no. My dad and I would occasionally go hunting together when I was a kid. I was 14, and my dad knew a guy who owned what seemed to be uh, half of Georgia. I mean, the amount of property that this guy owned was ridiculous. He let people hunt out there, and if he trusted you, he'd let you camp out there for a couple nights if you wanted to. He always wanted to make sure we had a way to call for help, though, before we did it, though. I love camping. I love camping out there more than I did just going hunting for a few hours and coming home. I like the woodsman feel of living out in the woods. We woke up early one morning and hiked into the woods. It was still dark when we got to our stand. We didn't see or hear anything, not even birds. I remember my dad commenting on it and looking back. It should have been a sign. Frustrated, we pack up and look for a spot to camp and we would set up uh, again later that evening my dad suggested we go deeper and to uh, better our chances of seeing something so that's what we did 
We hiked for a few hours, found a clearing, set up a small camp, got settled, and passed the um, time freak, and passed the time freaking ourselves out by talking about Bigfoot and other woodland creatures. We hike a ways away from our camp, set up our blind, and wait. Again, nothing. We get back, and our tent has been pulled up and laid flat. Not by, not in a neat way, but it's just kind of laying there. We thought it was just the wind or something, but and we didn't put it upright and it collapsed. We didn't think much of it. Since we didn't didn't see or even hear anything all day, we decided to leave the following day and try again later that week. We settle in for the night, build a really small fire, and just relax. Again, not even birds making a sound. I remember thinking how odd it was to be this deep in the woods and only hear one or two birds the whole trip. Oh, well. Maybe we were just making too much noise and scared everything off. We go to sleep soon after settling in. It's pitch black, middle of the night. I wake up for some reason just to try to go back to sleep. I'm in that half-sleep, half-awake phase when I hear laughter. I kind of jolt awake but don't hear it anymore, so I figured it was a dream. I lay back down, and a few minutes later, I hear it again. It continues and gets pretty loud. I wake up again, but this time my dad is up too. He whispers and asks, did you hear that? And this is when my heart uh, dropped. Uh, he heard uh. <laughs> he heard the laughing too it wasn't a dream we heard it again but it was faint and now that i'm actually awake i'm paying attention to it it sounded kind of like several people laughing in unison it wasn't cackling or hysterical laughter but just kind of a normal laughter it didn't last for maybe five or six seconds i never felt that much fear before in my entire life we didn't hear hear it anymore after that but needless to say we didn't get any sleep we packed up as soon as the sun came up and gtfo'd <laughs> My dad uh, yes. was convinced someone followed us and was playing a prank. That's why we didn't see anything. He said while we were in the stand and blind, they were scaring all wildlife off it with their unmasked scent and being on the ground. He says this, but he didn't go back out there for over a month. When he finally did go back, he mentioned it to the guy who owned the property. He wouldn't let my dad hunt there anymore. Didn't say why either. My dad thinks he made this guy think that my dad was crazy or something. I guess it's possible for someone to have followed us out there. There they must be legit ninjas, though, because we went out before daybreak. Nobody but the owner was parked out there that morning. There were dead leaves and sticks everywhere. And when they decided to laugh, it came from different spots, and I never heard a footstep. Oh, man, laughter, no thanks. My God, you know, I, I guess it could have been, you know, the dad could be right. It could be some people out there just playing pranks on him, just fucking people in the woods. I mean, honestly, this, this guy's probably just a little scared. You know, I don't know. Still, I would be too. Ugh. So, all right. This brings us to the next one, the fur coat. So, we have a family cabin in the middle of nowhere on a small lake with two other cabins surrounded by forested area and flatlands both. About two miles away from the cabin and across the dirt road is a wildlife reserve. As kids, we walk through there all the time. After about 30 minutes walking straight into the woods, there used to be a collection of abandoned houses, an old settlement. We went exploring and found that the people who used to live there had just up and left. In each house, still dishes on the table, clothing in the closets, cars parked in the clearings, all the strappings for the horses in the barns. In one house, the floor had caved in and there were about 40 or so pairs of women's shoes scattered around the hole in the middle. No bones, though. Animal or human, nothing. We decided to stay away from the second floors of the houses after we saw that. We figured they'd be structurally unsound. A skeletal treehouse in the middle of the clearing. After we told my parents, my dad wanted to come and take a look too. 
In one of the houses, we found a bedroom fully intact. The sheets were still on the beds. The pillow had the indentation of a head on it, but everything was covered in a thick layer of dirt and still dust on the floors had only footprints on them. At the foot of the bed was this stunning, enormous gray fur coat. There were a few moth holes chewed in it, and it was a dirty as it was just as dirty as everything else. But then we inspected it, and we knew it was real fur, likely a wolf or silver fox. It was gorgeous. Dad decided he was going to bring it back and clean it up and see if he could have it remade for my mom. Dad was a thrifty guy. As we were leaving, I got a chill on the back of my neck, and at about 60 yards from the house, turned around and saw an old woman glaring at us from the window of the second floor. She had her hair in a loose bun and was wearing a blue shawl on her shoulders over a cream-colored blouse. I immediately felt super guilty. I grabbed my dad, who was about 10 yards ahead of me, and told him we better put the coat back because the woman was still living there and had probably scared her and she looked pissed. We turned back around and I pointed the window and I saw her glaring at us from there. But then again, I realized no one was there. I said she must have gone downstairs, and as we approached the house, still carrying the stupid coat, one of the windows in another house suddenly slammed shut. I fucking ran as fast as I could into the goddamn woods. Dad being dad stayed behind and started yelling for the lady to come out. He was sorry, etc. He didn't mean for this to happen. He went upstairs. No one was there. Dust on the floor? Undisturbed. Then he started up and dropped the coat in a big hurry, and we beat it back to the road as fast as we could. About five years later, the government demolished the entire building. Good riddance. Yeah. Fuck that noise. Jesus. Man. Jesus Christ. That's why you don't fuck with Corella DeVille or her fucking Dalmatian sweater. She'll fucking throw a fit. All right, number eight, the drumming. I've always been drawn to the wild. It seems like home, and I generally know my neighbors out there. Not afraid to be in the deep woods in the dark. Love my woods. One sunny weekday afternoon, I had dirt biked up an old mining road. It gained a couple thousand feet from the valley floor towards one of the ridges of the Cascades. Oh, I think we may also be in Idaho. When yep. the road gave out, Near the bottom of a high basin, I put on my backpack and started off cross-country towards the ridge. It was still heavily forested, old growth and old cut fading in another thousand feet into those scraggly wind-blown ones near the top. About 20 minutes in and about a half mile up from me, near the tree line, I heard this thumping sound. It was very odd, so I stopped to listen carefully. It sounded like big, solid branch, like big, solid branches being whacked against a solid tree. I used the term solid because the hits were powerful. One or both of the pieces of wood were hard and dry. The wood resonated and rang on impact as dry wood will. I couldn't get over the power though. It seemed like someone was swinging a four-inch post. Weird, right? Well, it gets better. The someone sounded like they were trying to communicate. The thumping had a very complex and well-defined pattern. And here's the weirdest part. The thumping signal, quote-unquote, occasionally became very rapid like a drummer would do if they were noodling around with a stick, but I swear it sounded like a four-inch post was being treated as as lightly as a drumstick. I listened for maybe five minutes, just fascinated with the sound, this code, and the power of it. Then the drumming suddenly stopped, and I kind of woke up to the fear of this unknown thing being out there. I had my pistol, I had my bear spray, I had my and my knife. I really only feel, fear cougars, and even then I figure uh, they'll have a bad day trying to take me down. Still, the silence as I stared into the forest ahead seemed loud or seemed loaded, and I turned on my hills and left the valley. That place and that experience gave me the chills, and that high valley won't see my shadow again. 
I've read stories about some of the native peoples around here having valleys so that they that they wouldn't just wouldn't go into. I can now easily understand how those legends get started. Got yourself a Sasquatch. You got yourself. It says true. That's true. You got to stay out of the way of that Bigfoot. He's going to come running. He's going to come grab you. He's going to do that wood knocking. You ever, you ever hear about that wood knocking, by the way, Ripley, before we go to the next one? You ever no, hear about I have that? Not. So apparently, this is just my weird ufology, sci fi, conspiracy theory, fringe science brain speaking right now. But apparently, that they communicate with each other through through wood knocks. This is a for real thing. Like they like they like they'll make like wood knocks on a tree and people hear it at night when they're camping and they I guess they haven't really explained it. In my opinion, I think it's some sort of woodland bird or some sort of forest animal making the sounds, but as I say that, if I were to hear that out camping, I'd probably shit my pants. <laughs> so I can't I can't complain. Anyways, no, just funny. The wood knocking thing is totally how they're supposedly communicating. So all right. Brings us to shadows in the field. So camping in Wyoming, two hours from pretty much anywhere with my dad, my friend, and my dog. This dog was the calmest, albeit quite stupid, and nicest dog I've ever had. Wow, Ripley, you have a dog like that. Sorry, I'm just kidding. Uh <laughs> I've never heard her growl or bark at anything. No matter how much it presented a threat to us or her, she just assumed everything was her friend or, at the very least, food. So it's late at night, my dad's asleep, and my friend and I are just hanging around the campfire. Out of nowhere, the dog bolts up, barks once, and starts growling in the direction of a field next to our site. Of course, we're freaking the fuck out, trying to figure out what the hell she's going on about. Then we realize there's a group of shadows on the other side of the field. We just sit there staring at whatever it is. Then we hear when we hear a conversation, no clue what language it was in. This goes on for about 10 minutes of us staring wide-eyed at the shadows. Didn't even think to wake my dad. When the shadows just went away and my dog stops growling, lays down and falls back asleep. That was the one and only time she ever did anything like that in over a decade that we had her. Still freaks me out to this day. That is interesting. Quite quite all right number 10 the blood curdling scream <laughs> some friends and i were doing some night fishing on the james river we were sitting along the shoreline with a nice fire going accompanied by the usual idle talk and a few beers when suddenly everyone just stopped talking like a switch was flipped off we were all staring across the river and felt as if something or someone was staring back it was a very uneasy feeling, to which some of the group tried to shake off with the typical macho humor when a blood-curdling sound erupted from the other shore that froze everyone in their tracks. The sound yeah. was unlike any other that I had heard, and it made every hair on my body vibrate and tingle. The only way I can describe it is it sounded like a wild person with no language skills being gutted alive. Oh my no- god, the alliteration! Ah. <laughs> no words... Just this high-pitched, blood-curdling scream. Nobody moved or said a word. We all just sat there fixed in our stare, when just as suddenly as the second scream was let loose with even more force than the first. By this time, several of us were sprinting to our trucks that were parked within 20 or 30 feet and retrieving various firearms. We all sat there very quietly with our eyes fixed, staring towards the opposite shore, watching the light from our fire reflecting off the rocks. 
Hours later, we packed it up and left, feeling very unsettled. We never did figure out that one or even figure that one out or even hazard a guess as to what it was on the opposite bank. Whoa. Oh my God. That's so fucked up. I like that they went and immediately went to their firearms because Jesus Christ, I would do the same thing. Oh my God. That's so scary. All right. Woo. I felt that one to the core. (laughs) The next one, we have a gut feeling. So, me and my eldest son took off to a lake in the wilds of Glacier County. I have extensive backcountry exposure, even did a stint as a big game guide in a remote backcountry camp. On this day, we enjoyed the fishing and settled in for the night. I pulled out my pan and stoked up a nice fire. It was clear and cool as the sun faded into the western slopes. We cooked up some fresh rainbows with garlic and butter and filled our stomachs. I leaned back about uh, against the cooler after pulling out a refreshing beverage. The boy was soon asleep by the fire as it had been a busy day. I sipped my beer and watched the moonlight bouncing off the little waves in the lake. There was still a light glow on the western horizon where the sun had gone down, and I could see the outline of the mountain uh, mountain peaks towering over the little lake. I slowly faded off to sleep with the sound of the lake waves gently lapping on the rocks. I awoke with a start. The fire was out. The lantern was out, too. The moon was gone, and it was pitch black. Something was wrong. The hair on the back of my neck stood straight up. I was paralyzed. I could hear my heart thumping as I strained to hear something in the brush. All was quiet. I had a horribly uneasy feeling. I gathered myself together and started kicking around the fire. A small flame came alive, and I quickly threw on some wood. In the firelight, I could see that the boy had awoken and was shocked to see his wide eyes staring at me. "'What's wrong?' he asked." Nothing. Go climb the tent. I lied. He crawled into the tent, but even in the light of the fire, I couldn't make out my weariness. Something was out there in the brush, and I couldn't even feel it as it was watching me. I gathered up my light and flashed around the camp. Nothing. Finally, I began to calm down and crawled in the tent with the boy. Then again, like clockwork, I awoke completely tense. This time, I couldn't shake the feeling at all. I finally instructed the boy, who... uh, recently woke up to go get in the truck. I packed up all the camp and drove around to the other side of the lake and slept with him in the truck. At dawn, I got up and looked across the lake where we were camped earlier, and another uneasy feeling came over me. I decided it was time to go home. I don't know what was out there or what was going on over there, but I know my instincts, and something was bad wrong with that place. Whatever it was, I will leave you to your imagination. It creeps me out to this day thinking about that night. So I've actually got a quick story that uh, this reminded me of, and this is 100% true. This happened to me and my friends. Uh, so when I was about... Your I'm uncle say, took you out to the woods and diddled you no. as a kid. Oh, okay. <laughs> so Sorry. I was about 10 or 11 or so, and uh, I was me and another friend were staying the night at my neighbor's, and he was he was about two years he, old or younger than He diddled than me. you and your friend? Would you just give it a second? <laughs> Jesus Christ there, Uncle Jimbo. All right, fine, fine, fine. Anyways, so, you know, we're boys of that age, as all nerdy wells do, we, uh, you know, had a fascination with sneaking out, right? Just to get out, like, break the rules, you know, do as kids do. So we sneak out yeah. and we go, we go up to this park. It's up on this hill. And by this hill, I mean a very steep hill. Like, it has switchback roads to get up to it. And but there's this little trail that you can just kind of walk up. It's, you know, still at a pretty good incline. 
So anyways, we get up to the hill and me and um, my friends are just kind of sitting there talking and I just stopped. I was like, guys, you ever get that feeling that you're being watched? And like, yeah. And we turn around and remember at this time, this is when like Scream and I know what you did last summer and all that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the slasher type things were like just blaring. Yeah. Right. And uh, we turn around and there's a guy in a wide brim hat and uh, just a shadowy figure. Can't really tell you, but he had a hat on like this wide brim hat just standing no more than 10 yards behind us. And like at this point, it's like 1130, 12 o'clock at night. And like we just booked it down this hill. I mean, it, I mean, this is a steep hill, a dirt hill. And we just ran as fast as we could all the way back home, like got, you know, got into my neighbor's house, locked the door, like peeking through the windows. It was one of the scariest things that is it for real ever thing? happened. To is it for that, a real this thing? This is a hundred percent real story. Yeah. Oh my God. That's nuts. Yeah, Holy was, shit. We, yeah, we were freaking the fuck out. It was, it was oh, pretty crazy. I have, yeah, we had no idea what that guy was doing. Obviously, like, if we hadn't turned around, like, who knows what would have happened. It was creepy. Oh, shit. my God. That's extremely scary. I have a story also before we get into the next one. Since you did one, I might as well do one, too. Mine's a little bit more comical. That's terrifying, dude. Holy cow. I, you've never even told me about that before. I guess it's never really come up, but still, that's a... Ugh. My God, I'm going to sleep with every light on in my goddamn apartment tonight. <laughs> well, my story is a little uh, less scary, so... Uh, eh, it's kind of scary. So, me and my buddy, me and my best friend, I don't want to... I'll say his name's Tyler. I'm not going to give the last name due to... Anonymity, anonymity, anonymity. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Anonymity's sake, I'm gonna not give out the last name. So, me and my buddy Tyler, he's my best friend at the time, still one of my best friends to this day. Uh, we go out into the woods. I go to his house. We we do that thing where you're. I was in like elementary school. I go to his house. He comes to my house. I go to his house. He comes to my house. We're like we constantly after after school. The coolest and best thing to do was just got to go find your best friend we're gonna go just hang out and swing on the rope swing and you know jump on the trampoline whatever you know just do kid stuff so me and him were super excited we were hanging out we're like let's go explore the woods so me me and my buddy tyler we go out in the woods and you know he he's showing me around his area he's i i was new to the subdivision at the time my grandparents lived in the subdivision i was out there living with my grandparents at the time and we were out there in the woods. We were running around. And I, I'm, this is a this is also a true story, and I'll never forget it, ever. We're we're like we're out there pretty deep. We're like a good mile into the woods or whatever. And we're looking around, and all, we we're here. We all of a sudden we hear brush, and we stop, and we like look up and we look around. We can't, we look around. We can't see anything. And, and Tyler yells, "Who's that?" <laughs> out of nowhere. I swear to Christ, we hear a voice yell back and say, I'm Stone Cold Steve Austin, and I'm going to kick your ass. I swear <laughs> to God. Swear to God. None of that's made up. Absolutely 1,000% true. I'm like eight years old. I don't know who the fuck Stone Cold Steve Austin is. To this day, I know, only know he's a wrestler from like Google searches. But me and Tyler were like, like I said, we were like 
eight, nine years old, whatever. We were super young. We just dropped and just ran. I fell on my face. He helped me up, you know, just bolted. This is the first time I've ever run a mile, I guess, in my life, you know, before the whole fitness stuff started happening later in life, like actually running like the mile. Dude, we we came back. I don't think I've ever been more worn out in my life other than doing like CrossFit and stuff. But my God, it's a story I never, I'll never forget to this day. And we still joke about it every time we hang out. We go, (laughs) any any time someone's around the corner or we're too far from each other and we get too far, we'll look at each other and go, hey, hey. I'm Stone Cold, Stone Cold Steve Austin. If you don't get your ass back here, I'm gonna kick it. <laughs> <laughs> we still do that to this day. It's one of our inside jokes. So that is a true story. It's a time, and it was a woods-based story. It was terrifying. It was terrifying. So real story. So. I, I can imagine. Well, at least it was a, a funnier component of it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funnier now, and now we know. In my mind, I'm assuming it's just the autistic son of whoever lived next door. <laughs> I mean, it may, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, anyways. All right. Number 12, the burial mounds. It was yes. early in the morning around 2 to 3 a.m., and I was in a very open area waiting for my boss to return with some equipment. As I was waiting, I got that feeling like I was being watched by something and didn't want me there and had some intent on harming me. I stood up and looked around. The moon was very bright that night, and I could clearly see all the way, or all the way to the tree lines, probably 50 yards on both sides of me. Nothing around. I calmed down a bit and took my pack off my back to get my drink out. As I opened my drink, I hear this whoosh, whoosh, whoosh sound flying through the air from behind me. It was like a sound of a stick, the sound that a stick makes if you throw it overhead. I literally dove out of the way with my bag falling to the ground and my drink flying through the air spilling as I jumped away. I recovered from my diving experience to take my radio out out of my bag to to radio my boss. I go, I'm not trying to freak you out or anything, but I'm on my way back to the shop. I just had something thrown at me. As I'm talking to him, I'm looking around on the snowy ground for anything that could have been hurled at me. There was nothing on the ground but snow. I had no idea what the hell was going on at this point. His reply of, I've already got a head start on you and I'll see you there, sounded like sounded out of breath like he was running. I gathered my stuff and started hauling ass back to the shop. I get back and meet up with my boss and he's pat- pacing back and forth in our shop freaking out. I get him to calm down and he tells me he was on his way back up to me when he got the same feeling I got before something got thrown at me. He said after he got that feeling, he stopped and looked around and heard something clearly two-legged start walking towards him barely crunching in the snow he, then he said it started it started running at him but there's nothing in sight all the sounds of movement stopped and he froze to listen to, for more sounds then he said he got a hot breath he said a hot breath was hitting the back of his neck and he proceeded to freak out he said he ran the whole way back to the shop and about halfway back is when he heard me on the radio the crazy part about this whole thing is the area where we were working at several burial grounds in the woods from native americans Apparently there, nope. al- <laughs> Apparently there also used to be an altar of some kind made out of stone that was buried during construction progress or project a few decades ago. Yeah, I'm out on that one. Nope, 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 nope. Leslie fucking nope. Jesus Christ. I mean, has anyone in their right mind ever seen Poltergeist? I, there's just so much wrong about the. 
uh, uh, native burial grounds, anything. That's even why I said that earlier. I said that as a joke, mocking the fact that you should never fuck with that shit, man. Oh, my God. That's just asking for some scary shit. All right, so the last one we have is very short and sweet, and I'll get right into it. This one is Music in the Night. My brothers and I were camping at this primitive campsite in West Texas. It was about 1230 at night, and we start hearing this very faint opera music in the forest around us. After heating up up SpaghettiOs on our fire, we noped the fuck out of there and hiked like six miles by moonlight, moonlight back to our truck and drove home. It was like it was following us because we heard it all the way to about a mile from the parking lot. The reason it was creepy was because we got to our campsite. A park ranger told us we were lucky to be the only people for miles around because of how peaceful it was. He said there was no one else there. That would definitely be weird. I I completely agree. All right. So that is our last and final story. So we are getting a little long on time. So let's go ahead and hit up the beer goggles tournament real quick. We've got Betty White versus Missy Pyle. I think this one's going to be fairly short. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, mm, it, you say that. Miss, uh, okay, we're talking, based on previous episodes, we're talking solely on looks, right? Which one of them would you try to basically go home with at the end of the night? I'm sorry, Betty. You're a lo- you're a legend. You're fantastic, and I appreciate everything you do. And you'll always be America's sweetheart. But I have to go with Missy Pyle. I'd pile drive that ass. <laughs> I obviously am in concurrence or in concurrence as well. I would sit there and listen to Betty White talk all night at the bar. But I, at the I, end of the night, can... you'd listen to all that and you'd say, "Thanks for the information." Where's Missy Pyle? <laughs> right, like thank you for a great entertaining night, but um, this is this is where we part ways. But I love yes. you. You're a legend. You're like you said, America's sweetheart. You're a national treasure. But I'm not Man. trying to go all Nicolas Cage on your ass. You're 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 the golden girl. But man, there's I want to get a little bit darker than that tonight. Mm. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. Missy Pyle well, moves on, and we will. So yeah, I was going to say next week. So what? So next week, what's the what's the format? What do we got going next week? Next week, we I believe are finishing out round th- um, two. Of course, you ask me the hard questions when I'm not prepared for them. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, well, you know, I'm used. I should be used to it by now. Uh, True. All right. So next week we have. Okay. We will have Tori Spelling versus Ellen DeGeneres. That one should be interesting. Oh, I am excited to see what happens. I'm excited to see what happens. So, All right. Well, that, ghouls and goblins, closes out another terrifying edition of Close Encounters of the Slurred Kind. Make sure to watch out for parts two and three of our long Halloween segment coming over the next few weeks. They promise to be worth dying for. And as always, stay slurred. Say it ain't so, that's the end of our show. Turn the mic off, go the f*** home. Joe Buffett here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. If you enjoy our ridiculous content, you can get to your nearest cosmic communication device and spread the word to your friends, family, co-workers, or nearby nerf herders. 
We're available on Spotify, Google Play, Sheeple Music, I mean Apple Music, or wherever you listen. If you have an idea for our show or would like to propose a theme, send an email to CloseEncountersSlurredKind at gmail.com. That's CloseEncountersSlurredKind at gmail.com or shoot us a message on Facebook. Have a great day, and we look forward to falling even deeper into the Antimatter Minute with you next time on Close Encounters of the Slurred Kind. Dude, what are you doing? Oh, paranormal. I thought you said paramore.